and welcome back to Mise on Smash, a weekly podcast where we have unique writers and comedians on to flesh out a hypothetical Super Smash Bros. cinematic universe. Welcome, I'm welcome. your host, Simon Lewis Song. And I'm Pete Simmons Hayes. And today we have a very special guest. We have my friend, roommate, writer, we have Hamilton O'Toole. Choose your character. Hamilton O'Toole is a Los Angeles-based writer and filmmaker whose work has been performed at clubs all over NYC. His new focus is currently on his spreadsheets, which his boss says are mediocre at best. He was instrumental in... Ham, I'm not saying this. He he wants me to tell you that he was instrumental in outlying payola on your radio waves and will be taking questions after the show at twitter.com slash ben shapiro his twitter is not at ben shapiro please do not go to ben shapiro's twitter his twitter is at hamilton o tool o as in o o h hamilton will be taking on Star Fox. talking Star Fox, baby pete what's your uh, experience level with the Star Fox franchise because last last week we talked about Legend of Zelda and we're both kind of huge Legend of Zelda heads so comparatively what's what's your what's your Star Fox familiarity well Star Fox I didn't have a Nintendo 64 so like I didn't play like the quote-unquote good one so mm-hmm. my first Star Fox was Star Fo- Fox Adventures which is like the one everyone hates because it's like about dinosaurs and shit I had a lot of fun, to be honest. I really like the music. I really like Crystal. Besides that, I guess um, when you play Brawl, you can play like the like the classics. You can play like 30-second trials of games. I've played the 30-second trial of Star Fox 64, but I've always died. I suck at it. I did not touch a Star Fox game until a couple of years ago when I got the Super Nintendo Classic system that has Star Fox and the finally released Star Fox 2 on it. And I didn't really, I mean, obviously I was familiar with the characters uh, because of their appearances in the Super Smash Bros. series, um, but I didn't really know much about the story beyond that. And uh, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what Hamilton's got for us. Uh, I'm really excited for this one because one of the big problems I think a lot of our writers will have is a lot of these games, like people, especially the protagonists don't talk And what's great about Star Fox is no one will shut the fuck up. They're always talking, and you kind of get the character dynamics right away. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to play with there. So, without further ado, Hamilton, why don't you uh, break the story? the story so yeah star fox so basically my thought process on star fox as a franchise is that it is structured in a way that you could make a great cyberpunk film out of it um, <laughs> uh it's it it has the bones everyone you see it and you think that like it's just top gun but they're animals but that's not that's not really what it is, especially if you play the video games and see how, like, there's, like, psychedelic tripped-out levels with astronauts, and, like, they're all dicks, and they're all horrible people, and they fly around, and, like, any of the environments you see it, and it, it's not, it doesn't lend well. I mean, like, listen, you could do the Clint Eastwood treatment and make it, like, a military film. You know, you could send Fox and his friends over to Fallujah and have them kill civilians, but uh, <laughs> that's not really what was interesting about it and what was interesting to me is that 
it, Star Fox is kind of a commentary on the toxic male persona in terms of Fox McCloud himself uh, is more obsessed with being cool and defeating his rivals than he is at being a good person and kind of uh, being a good friend and teammate to the, his crewmates on Star Fox. And so basically where I would start the story of a potential Star Fox film is Fox McCloud is a young upstart at the Space Animal Training Facility where he is obsessed with being cool and, you know, keeping hot and he's like, he's the star of the campus volleyball team and, and stuff and, like that. And just to stop you for a second, Fox McCloud, he's an anthropomorphic. He is an fox, anthropomorphic right? fox. The most important thing, okay, yes, okay. is that- I just want to clear that up. I want to clear that up. Fox McCloud, yes, is an anthropomorphic fox uh, whose father is one of the best flyers in uh, the Corneria space fleet. And he deals with the trauma of having an absent father who is a military bigot and star pilot by having a raging alcohol addiction all throughout his years. And I'm just going to stop you right there, only because I got a text from Ham this morning, uh, and it just said, is this show for kids? And I was like, <laughs> I was like no. <laughs> he was like, great, I have a hook. <laughs> um, so, so, so he's a raging alcoholic. Cloud, in your version, is an alcoholic. He's a raging alcoholic, yes. But he's also an incredible fighter pilot, and uh, the alcoholism and how he keeps loose he thinks that that's kind of his secret power. He has a friend that he goes about training with. In he's Star Denzel Fox. Washington in flight. Well, yeah, exactly. He's kind of Denzel Washington in flight. Is Denzel's power in that, that he can, that he's really good at drunk driving? Uh, um, it's been a few years since I've seen the movie, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Anyway, he's the best, he's the best pilot in the fucking universe. And he's also a raging, miserable drunk. And his partner in Academy is Wolf O'Donnell, who you will recognize as Wolf of Super Smash Brothers fame. And, and uh, just to stop you again, Wolf, he's an anthropomorphic. He's an anthropomorphic wolf, yes. A wolf? Okay, okay. He wears a studded leather jacket like he's in a BDSM club. He Question rules. about Wolf, does he have an eye patch at this point, or does no. he have both eyes? No, he has both eyes. He has gotcha. both eyes, and he's decisively not a pirate because he's part of the Corneria military industrial complex. And Fox and Wolf, just wait, buddy. And Fox and Wolf are sent to fly a mission to uh, an unspecified planet to take out Andros. It's foolish to come against me. Who is a, a flying monkey head that has been reigning terror throughout the star system. And uh, Fox is excited because he gets to fly this mission with uh, his father. His father is Whoa. also named... Yeah, his father, what's his dad's name? James McLeod. It is James McLeod. You're exactly right. His father, James McLeod, and he, James McLeod, it's important to note, looks just like Fox, but he wears sunglasses. He is the best pilot that this place has ever seen, and Fox has lived his whole life in this guy's shadow, and James is very cold to Fox, and does not lend well to Fox joining the team for this flight towards Andros. But on the flight, they managed to take Andros out and ship him away to the prison planet Venom, but James is killed because Fox couldn't have his six because he was wasted. And Wolf's plane gets taken taken out as well and wolf disappears and so fox is put on probation and sent away from flight duty and he's not allowed to fly anymore until one day andros comes back oh, andros man. they find out one day that the prison planet venom that andros was shipped off to andros has disappeared from it and okay no, question no how many years after this big accident five years 
Five years. Okay. Five years after the accident. Five years after the death of James McLeod and the disappearance of Wolf O'Donnell. Fox is an alcoholic wreck and he's not allowed on flight duty and nobody wants anything to do with him. But General Pepper, who is a talking dog in a hat, gives Fox a call. And, you know, it's like the typical... He's the head of the Cornerian army, right? Correct, yes. He's the general. He's kind of the... Can you say what kind of dog he is? He's like a fucking basset hound, I believe. He is like a basset hound. He's very. He's like a basset hound. Or he's and like, Cornelius is like the main planet in the lilac system, right? That's Correct. like where most people live. Correct. It's okay. a utopian super society that is built upon the fact that they have clo- they have colonized every single planet in this solar system, uh, and so the general gives Fox a call, and he's like, Fox. We need you for one last job. You're the only person that's capable of doing this. And Fox thinks it's because he's such a good pilot and he's finally getting his chance back. But it's because nobody will care if he dies. He's so down and out and he has a history with Andros. And so Fox gets teamed up with three other undesirables from the military in order to form a new Star Fox unit. These people are one, Falco Lombardi, a anthropomorphic blue bird in a red jacket who was kicked off of flight duty because of his anger issues. Gee, I've been saved by Fox. How swell. Also joining them is Peppy, this who's is a Peppy. mad scientist who was cast out of the military science unit after genetically engineering a clone of his daughter. Uh, and then <laughs> there is also... Did Peppy... Did, does, Peppy's close with James, right? Peppy is close with James. Oh, and uh, but James always thought Peppy was kind of a sick fuck. <laughs> but he knows Fox well because he's known Fox since he was a kid. But ever since, you know, the acts, the, his cloning incident, he's been, he's just been rejected from, um, you know, all of the Star Fox forces. And then lastly is Slippy, Slippy. Toad, who was last in the flight school ranks and is kind of a wide-eyed recruit uh, who's yeah. there because General Pepper wants someone to keep tabs. He's kind of the functioning, like, military stooge who's there to keep eyes on them and be like, What do you think you're doing, Fox? And so obviously these three hit it off for him. They don't get fucking along at all. Uh, Fox wants to do solo flight duty, and they're thrust right into action when uh, Andros's forces attack Corneria, and they have to take to the skies. And um, they're just an uncoordinated Falco flies into a building after uh, getting mad at Fox for telling them to attack in a certain direction, and he has to abort. Fox actually ends up having to take the rest of the mission by himself when Peppy goes to rescue Falco and Slippy gets scared and flies away. And (laughs) Fox ends up head-to-head in a dogfight with Leon the Chameleon, who in his dying breath lets it slip that Star Wolf is coming for them and uh, that Andros will have his way throughout the galaxy. Members of Star Fox, a grave danger looms. The Lilac system is in peril. The research director will brief you on all the details. You're our last hope, Star Fox. Okay, so wait, that's interesting. So Leon Leon dies in this battle. Yes. Uh, Yeah, gruesome. Uh, Leon Pawlowski, he's a... uh, He's a chameleon. He's a yeah, chameleon. and Leon historically has been a part of Star Wolf and shows up in the other games. So this is this is definitely a strong choice to kill and off Leon the right away. Lore, it's interesting that Leon plays this role because in the deep lore of Star Fox, which I've been researching, Leon is actually, he is 
canonically a, an alcoholic. Well, maybe it takes an alcoholic to like, kill him. I believe, like, I think Star, uh, like, I think Wolf finds him in a in a bar when he's recruited for Star Wolf. That would make that would make sense. So Leon dies, but lets it slip that uh, that Pigma that their their death awaits them on planet Fortuna. Pigma so, Dengar, who's he's an anthropomorphic. Pigma Dengar, who is a giant, who, who, who is a giant anthropomorphic pig. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. They're really. I, I'm sorry. Just these names. They're a little confusing sometimes with which animal they associate are associated. Yeah. Sometimes it says what the animal is. Sometimes it doesn't. So <laughs> yeah. I, I wish that was more consistent. <laughs> yeah. Like Fox is named Fox McCloud, but then his father is named James. It's like <laughs> human <laughs> like he's just a guy so at this point we just they take off on their big ship the star fox unit just still doesn't get along falco's a bit of a loner and fox is kind of a blowhard and the two don't really get along uh slippy kind of just wants to play by the rules and doesn't like it that peppy has these unorthodox devices he's creating and bombs and explosives and fox just kind of thinks he's too cool for it but they eventually start to bond a little bit and get along a little bit more falco starts to open up after uh fox defeats him in a chess match much like in star wars anyway they fly through and they have to like they have to escape an asteroid field and they have to get past a bunch of places and they arrive on the planet fortuna which is this giant barren ice planet that has been terraformed into a massive city. Think of it as like the city in Blade Runner 2049, where just like everybody's fucking miserable. You're totally downtrodden. The buildings go like 500 feet high. And the group has to kind of go on a chase throughout the town for Pigma Day. Falco goes off on his own to gather information because he has history on Planet Fortuna and goes to a brothel and falls in love with a prostitute who is being pimped out by someone named Mr. X. Falco kind of has a little subplot where he has to, fought, he has to free the prostitute he fell in love with from their pimp while they go through this search for Pigma and eventually they pin him down at this bar where Falco has fled to with the prostitute that he's fallen in love what with. What kind of animal is the prostitute? Is the prostitute Cat Monroe? No, it's not Cat Monroe. Oh, I don't know not. what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Cat Monroe, I think it, that's uh, that's Falco's love interest, who shows up in one of the missions in Star Fox 64 and flirts with Falco, and Falco's not into it. But this isn't Cat, okay. Anyway, so a chase ensues where Falco is being chased down by the top pimps of Planet Fortuna. That ends up in a shootout at this bar that Fox has pinned Pigma down to. And Fox and Fox seeing the human side of Falco, they get along better and they manage to defeat all the pimps and locate and track Pigma down to this remote Pigma fleas. And they track him down to this remote location in the middle of a field of snow where Pigma has brought a tank. And so this massive set piece ensues where the Arwen turns into a tank, like the levels in the video game. And Fox and Falco have Fox and Falco has to the Landmaster. Yeah, yeah, the Landmaster. And Fox and Falco have to fight together in it, like the scene in Evangelion where Shinji and Asuka have to fly the robot together. Very cool. They have to learn to work together, and they do. They shoot Pigma down, and Pigma reveals that. Oh, Wolf is still alive, and that if Fox wants answers to everything that he's been looking for, he will find them on Planet Venom, which uh, shocks Fox because uh, Planet Venom was supposed to be abandoned, and Andros was supposed to be as disappeared. They don't detect any signs of life on it anymore. But anyway, Fox takes Pigma's advice, and the group sets out 
for Planet Venom. Planet Venom, of course, is, as you all know, uh, formerly a prison planet that they were housing Andros on, but Andros grew too powerful and killed everybody on the planet and replaced it with his machine drones. You said earlier that Andros, he was, he was a monkey, but now he's just a giant monkey head. How did he get like that? Well, so Andros in the games uh, is kind of just a floating monkey head. And the way I see it is that Andros had his consciousness put onto a computer, uh, much like William Gibson's hit horror, uh, hit cyberpunk novel, Neuromancer, and uh, lives inside the machines controlling his army of machines from there. And is kind of like a techno wizard. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> the gang decides that they're gonna all have to depart uh, for Venom, but it's, it's heavily guarded and they're gonna need a plan. The plan is, that they are gonna knock an asteroid out of orbit and launch it at Venom, causing a distraction. And they can only do it by flying in complete sync as a team, all of them in their R-wings. And so they arrive at Planet Venom and initially they just, you know, Peppy tells Fox that he reminds him of his father uh, and they have a nice moment there. And Slippy kind of learns that you need to break the rules a little bit in order to be a great anthropomorphic animal Star Fox pilot. And Fox and Falco, now friends, um, decide to set out on this together. And uh, there are a bunch of spaceships shooting them out in a big dog fight and ensues. And, you know, uh, just like a bunch of rampant action goes on. And plan is initially going off without a hitch, but everybody gets presently occupied by spaceships. And Fox is getting left with the bandwidth to go down to Venom on his own. But Fox's anxiety and his depression kind of starts getting the best of him. He doesn't think he can do it. And he remembers the death of his father and the incident where Andros got away. And he turns to drink. Fox, needing alcoholism as his crutch, manages to overcome his anxiety enough to land his R-Wing on Venom, where he's greeted with his former partner, Wolf O'Donnell. Can't let you do that, Star Fox. And is wearing now his, his famous eye patch. Now, Fox is pretty sufficiently wasted at this point. Fox goes to take his plane down on Venom as Wolf tries to shoot him out in a cannon, and Fox Fox crashes. Fox can't handle the R-Wing anymore, and his vices have gotten the best of him, and he crashes, but he lives and he's confronted by Wolf O'Donnell, gun to his head, and they chat, oh, you know, you left me behind, and they talk about the excesses of capitalism and imperialism and how uh, the Cornarian mm. army has ruined the galaxy. This and, is way more political than I thought you were gonna go with this, but I well, love it. Well, it's an important film, uh, the Star Fox film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think this one, this one, I think this one wins Oscars. Like, this is our Black Panther. Well, it's very, it's, it's very, uh, it's very important that you touch on the military industrial complex. And that's kind of what I, I think Miyamoto envisioned when he thought of the, the, the tall cartoon dog. Unlike the Marvel Cinematic Universe, our cinematic universe hasn't sold out to the U.S. military. No, False. no, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. Uh, my movie remembers the brave 13 soldiers that fought and died in Benghazi. Um, uh, <laughs> So what I would say comes after this is um, Fox and Wolf kind of philosophize about, uh, you know, the current political climate and how the military complex has left Fox behind and how he'll never be his father. And he just has been trying to emulate this man who's done so much evil and bombed so many innocent people. And Fox says that that is just what Andros is doing. And it's a badass moment, like in Blade Runner. And then the two get into this uh, laser gun fight 
like from across uh, this planet as they spread out and Fox manages to break free of Wolf's clutches and his unorthodox drunken movements throw Wolf off to the point where uh, Fox shoots him in the shoulder and uh, neutralizes him. And Wolf tells Fox that Andros will have him killed. And then Fox notices that there's only one building still standing and it's this giant tall spire with one entrance that's completely unguarded. And so Fox heads into this building and it's just a wall of screens. It's like, it looks like all static. And it's just like this bright white room. And he's, uh, I mean, he's disoriented because of course he's thoroughly wasted because he's a crippling alcoholic. And he, Jack, and he logs into the computer and it has the, it has this like matrix type thing where it's like, Hello, Fox, um, um, He of course instantly recognizes that voice as a, uh, Andros himself, the man who killed his father. And Andros's face kind of comes out of the void on this computer. He basically tells Fox that he's weak and he'll never be good enough, that Fox's like mentality is just broken and he's a shattered man who's a slave to a broken system. And Fox puts on a helmet that's nearby and uh, loads himself into the computer where he's face to face with Andros, which was a bad idea because uh, Fox and Andros square off in a fight and it seems like Andros is all powerful inside this realm. I mean, he's shooting fireballs, and his eyes, flames are erupting on the floor. And, you know, there's that famous thing of like Andros shooting ceiling tiles out of his mouth. This and all things happen there, but Fox manages to kill Andros. But then the computer space seems to fragment and break apart. And Fox wakes up back in the real world, but the planet is exploding. And uh, Andros's massive monkey form rises out of the planet because in killing Andros in the computer space, Fox has set him free. Oh, and so, like a Death Star, but a giant head. Yeah. And it's a giant monkey. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And Andros, now free, is going to end all life in the universe in order to make sure that no killing, no children will ever be killed again. And so Fox is left with no options. He doesn't have his, his ship crash because he's an alcoholic. Wolf is dead and nobody's there to rescue him. And comms is down. He can't reach his uh, teammates anywhere. He's desperate. He looks around on Planet Venom. And what else does he spy but the crashed but still operational remains of his father's Arwing. And so Fox has a vision of his father. And his father was a cold military man who was like, it's never good enough. It's never good enough. And um, he remembers when he was a kid and James McLeod told him that one day he could fly one of these like him too. Fox decides in that moment that he is good enough and that his clinical depression is cured. And he gets into the plane and flies at Andros. His teammates noticing his signal, signal is back up, come to join him. And then the four, Star Fox members now finally together as a team and whole shoot down and destroy Andross's flying head by flying into his maw and destroying his brain. Wow. And then it explodes and the gang, having restored Empire to the, gal to the galaxy and protected the New World Order, flies back to Corneria where they are awarded with medals. Fox and Falco come to an understanding and the group is then ready to fly another mission and then uh, I assume if this is the, if this is the, the, uh, the, the, the Avengers model that we then have a little tag. Our tag on this one, I think the, the, the sequel tag is definitely that, you know, Wolf 
wolf is still alive somewhere out there in space and that a signal is coming uh, from James McLeod himself, maybe. James McLeod transmission, wolf being alive. And I feel like the sequel's got to introduce Crystal because she's such a fan favorite character. I think to do at least a semi-adaptation of Adventures would be like a... She's a little loaded for the first one, I think. Yeah, I think... Definitely. Definitely. She deserves her own, like introduction movie she has her own lore that's associated with her that i think like is just too much for the first movie absolutely you kind of just do a film where she kind of comes into her own as a woman and learns learns how to love herself and love her body uh i i I think could be a beautiful film i I think maybe like a shot for shot remake of love and basketball with fox and crystal (laughs) (laughs) that's not canon because this isn't your movie we don't have to abide by that (laughs) what excites me about the james mcleod being alive is james mcleod a version of him is actually playable in f-zero so when we do go the f-zero route we could have him as a character and then link those two pretty easily if we do go that route well, this is such a great, I was going to talk about this more. I'll save this for when we talk about, when we switch to the continuity section. I actually have some some pitches, though, for just the initial story. Some pitches and, and questions. My number one question is, uh, one of the later Star Fox entries, I forget if it's Assault or Command, um, but it establishes, or you know what, it actually might be one of the trophy descriptions in, in one of the Super Smash Bros. Um, <laughs> games. But... It, it establishes that in training school, the Star Fox team, they have their legs amputated and then replaced yes. with robotic legs, um, which is horrifying. But I have to ask if that's, if that's still canon in, in this version. Uh, so, yes. And uh, part of the reason for that is that it just, it just would be impossible to operate i mean when you're operating an arwing starfighter uh, the amount of pressure is just simply too much for uh, your typical fennec fox or uh you know a toad or or a falcon it, you just you couldn't withstand mm. too many um, g's yeah too many g's it's, it's just, yeah okay so you so they so they they have their legs amputated and replaced with bionic legs good to know i wanted yeah. to make sure that that was that's correct yeah the thing um i have a question about pigma uh, sure. In the game, Pigma is is sort of notorious and has this relationship with Fox because Pigma is responsible for. He was on Team Star Fox with James. Yes, Cloud. he was. He was, and Pigma was in this as well. Yeah, and they have that, a relationship. And so in this one, okay, so in this one, Pigma still sells out James McCloud to Andros. Yes, is, exactly. Okay, and so. Is that actually, so what if like, that's actually the reason that James McLeod is killed, but the whole time Fox is blaming himself. He doesn't realize that Pigma was to blame and he's blaming himself for killing his father because he was drunk during that mission. And so what if in that final scene and that vision that he has with his father, that's what's revealed to him that like, you weren't responsible for my death. It was, it was Pigma. And that's sort of what gives him his confidence back. That's what gives him, yeah, I would say that was what I had in my head was that it's the, he gets the required closure from Pigma's betrayal, selling James and them out to Andros out as Fox comes to terms with that he can't control everything. And that, uh, listen, um, 
you can medicate anxiety and you can medicate depression, but um, you have to learn to love yourself. That's kind of where Fox's journey comes to as a point of self-acceptance. I've got a question about how you're thinking about this movie visually, because there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. Uh, like you could do like the CGI treatment. You could also do like a stop motion type of thing. Like what, what were you thinking visually, especially with Star Fox? It has like this iconic visual element with it where the comms are like a big part of the style. Like, is that going to be incorporated anyhow? Or are you going to go like your own route? The, the comms are going to be a big part of it. And uh, we're going to do that. Basically what we're going to do is we're going to hire uh, the anime studio uh, Madhouse uh, responsible for Cowboy Bebop. And um, we are basically going to hire them out for contract as um, our animation studio because uh, you could do it. I mean, you could also do a, a CGI approach, I suppose, and have maybe, I, I don't know. Do you think, do you think Pixar is available? Uh, I want it to be live the, action and I want it to look like the Cats movie. You want it to look like the Cats movie? That would <laughs> yeah, be I want Judy Dench to be Andress. <laughs> well, Judy Dench... Judy Dench is actually in the film, but uh, Fox McCloud kills her in cold blood. She's she, she plays the uh, the prostitute that Falco falls in love with. Which yeah, like, you never answered. Her you never answered what species she is. Yeah, what kind uh, of animal is the prostitute? She is a uh, she's like a she's like a mink. <laughs> mink. Okay. Yeah, she's okay. a mink. She's that a mink. Was a weeb answer you could have given. Okay. Her name is Minka. <laughs> uh, Minka Kelly. <laughs> she used to date Derek Jeter, but now Friday Night Lights. Falco. Maybe you heard of her. I think I think that the anime or the CGI approach is good. I've I've always had it in my mind that because in in on the box art for the SNES game, they're like puppets, and they look yeah, they, they look exactly like the puppets from. Wes, Wes Anderson, Fantastic Mr. Stuff. Fox, and I think there's even a college humor video that's like the Fantastic Mr. Star Fox. But I've always, I've always pictured it as like stop motion with puppets, and I don't think there's ever been a space movie to do that. But that would be an interesting approach. In it would be an interesting of, approach, but it doesn't match the tone, the adult yeah, tone of your movie. Definitely not. Well, 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 well. Maybe, but maybe it. <laughs> I mean, listen, Wes Anderson has made movies about derelict alcoholics many times before. I mean, you could do it stop motion and then just like every now and then when Fox is having like a tough moment, like a fucking Rolling Stones song or like a Monkeys song plays. And then it's a fucking <laughs> Wes Anderson movie. I mean, right? You just like yeah. sidetrack the R-Wing. Well, like going along with that, like there's, you're taking a much darker tone than what's originally done in the games, which is great. Like, are you going to have like any of like, like, I, I don't think I want this, but I feel like there's like a Reddit thread where it's like, why didn't you include this? Like, are you going to have like do a barrel roll and stuff like that in it? <laughs> like, what's your thoughts on like the meanness of Star Fox? Oh, absolutely. The dialogue is just going to be absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I think that... I think that it would have to be. I, I think that it's almost just that, like, I mean, listen, this is not going to be Marvel where they're, they're quipping at it. Like, there's there's not going to be like, oh, that just happened. Yeah, so uh, Andros has infiltrated the Corneria star system, and uh, he's a giant head bent on destroying all life. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's happening. Anyway, I would say that they absolutely are quipping at each other, but that's because they fucking hate each other. And so I would say it's more like a Scorsese film or an Uncut Gems where he's like, do a fucking barrel roll, you fucking cocksucker. Or Slippy, <laughs> or like, he calls, like Fox calls Slippy like a little jizz rag. Like it just shit like that, you know? 
I think if you want to pay homage to like the N64 like visual style, when he's fighting Andros, since it is like a computer simulation, and you're talking about like him like shooting at the tiles from his mouth, like that version of Andros can be like the polygonal like 64 version where it's just a face. That's what all of the uh, the computer environments should look like. If you've seen like Escape from New York, for instance, where they, they just, or like any other cyberpunk film really, where it just, they look like shit because that's what people thought computers looked like. And I think that's how Star Fox should look because they're fucking animals and they can't be that good at computers. I have a question. There was no mention of Andrew Oikoni, I believe is how you pronounce his last name in your pitch. And he's a member of Star Wolf. And I have a, I have a pitch for him. Um, is that I the Panther? Like, no, he's the he's Andros's nephew. He's a monkey. I feel like he'd be a good foil to Fox because if Fox's journey and his emotional journey is so revolves so much around his relationship with his father, I feel like Andrew's a good foil if he's like kind of because I've always gotten a, a like a Draco Malfoy vibe from Andrew where he's like obsessed with his uncle. And, and and he's kind of like Andrew Oikoni is like a loser. Like I think in Star Fox Assault, he's the boss in the first mission, and you kill him instantly. And so he's he's this massive loser, a total pushover. But he's always talked. He's got like this family legacy with uh, Andros. That's uh, awesome because he's like Don Junior, which is very cool. Uh, yeah, I almost yeah, feel like you want exactly, him in, like he's exactly like Donald Trump Junior. That's, that's, I feel like you want him in like a sequel then. He's gonna like, put out like, a book. Where yeah, like actually, no, he is, might be right. He might be better suited for a sequel. Where Andros's horrible son comes back and he's like gonna reform the empire, but he's just totally incapable and gets yeah. played by some other person. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's ultimately the role he plays in Assault, where he's like he shows up in the first mission and then he's instantly about Andros, killed you, you by kind of like, detail, like what ends up being so the he, major he's all about how like the military industrial complex has fucked him over how did it fuck him over how did it lead him to like turn himself into this giant fucking head sure. thing sure 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 so andros is from a remote planet where uh they had a very set way of life and they were a lot like uh they just were i mean they're like any other tribe that america has come in and kind of destroyed um, he basically had a peaceful life. He was given the opportunity to go to university on another planet. And uh, he kind of, while being educated about this, when he came back, his whole family was killed by a Cornarian army troop. And since then, he decided that he would form his own planet, his own empire to kind of devour the Cornarian empire and uh, put an end to their strings of murders. Huh, nice. All right. Well, then, with that, let's move to... Continuity approaching, uh, where we link this installment into our uh, cinematic universe's continuity and talk about possible tie-ins. So again, as Pete mentioned earlier, there's really not much, uh, right now we don't have much lore within our universe to tie this into. You're the first Star Fox installment and I, you know, there's not much to tie into Kyle's Ocarina of Time pitch. We can look towards the future, I think. I think we should look towards the future and talk about possible tie-ins to, to, to future movies here. Um, because Star Fox takes place in space. And a lot of the other franchises we have to tackle take place in space. And I think there's good room for some cameos. Or Definitely. Uh, I mean, Hamilton basically covered the after credit stuff. So I'm not sure we want to do another 
Like we don't need like five after credit scenes, um, but definitely we can talk about like cameos. The things that I have listed here as possible tie-ins are Metroid, because it's also a space, uh, of course, space game. Pikmin also features space. Yep. Kirby, Mario Galaxy, uh, Earthbound, and then F-Zero, which has crossed over with Star Fox in the games even. So I feel like we we got some options for like I feel like we should plant because this is this strikes me as like a phase one movie like this this definitely is, Star this Fox is the original is one of the Star original Fox. twelve in yeah. the original Smash Brothers he's got to be there so I feel like we should limit ourselves to one cameo for right now okay so I'm I'm torn between two. Uh, for one, I think F Zero is is the classic one, only because I think the ship design is the closest, and I think the aesthetic they're very similar. It's kind of got like a futuristic cyberpunk kind of feel to it. And there's so a I think when it comes to like places in the galaxy, I feel like they they must not be far off from each other. Well, I think F Zero actually takes place on Earth in like the twenty second century, but it but it but there are space locations in F Zero, but I think. I think F-Zero does revolve around a future Earth, if, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a question of where we think the Lilat system, star system, is in comparison to Earth. But I, I agree. I think F-Zero is a top contender, especially because there's history there with James McCloud appearing in F-Zero X. And uh, I think, I think Octoman, who's one of the racers in F-Zero X and GX, yes. he's a boss in Star Fox Command. Also, when I think of like someone like Kirby showing up, like I would love for Kirby to show up, but I think that would ruin the entire tone of the movie because once you just put Kirby in anything, just like everything changes like tonalize. <laughs> That's you true. can't keep a serious alcohol alcoholism story and then have like the pink the pink blob in there. Yeah. I think my my pitch might actually be to have Octoman be in the bar shootout scene that Hamilton pitched. I think that would yeah. be a place to have Octoman, and I think it would it would make for a cool shootout because he's got eight arms. He's for those of you who don't know Octoman, he's basically an anthropomorphic octopus. Um, he he's a racer in the F Zero series, which is a racing a futuristic racing series. But it'd be cool to have him show up on uh, Fortuna was the planet, right? The ice planet that that takes place in. Yeah. Um, so it'd be cool to have him in a Fortuna brothel, and he's got a like a a blaster in each hand and i think that'll i think that'll hint towards the future because like we already said like james mcleod is in some form present in the f-zero universe so i think to tease that right away will like get fans like really excited to be like oh okay so james is definitely there right now or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah or at least to just get him thinking yeah because i because i think in f-zero x the james mcleod fighter or racer he's a human that just looks like yeah, he, he's but not actually a fox. He looks exactly like him, though. I think in our version, it should actually be the anthropomorphic James McCl- Fox, James McCloud. Uh, there's also, like, there's some really, like, silly stuff. Like, uh, in F-Zero, James McCloud c- claims that his, um, that his like, team is called Galaxy Dog instead of Star Fox, which, to me, just sounds like a really stupid joke to, like, hide who he was. Yeah. Um, instead of just like coy with a different them. character. You're teasing us. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it'll be good in like an eventual F-Zero franchise to have James be there um, if this installment teases that 
uh, James McLeod is still alive. And then it, it would also be cool if like, because Captain Falcon, who's the protagonist of the F-Zero series, he's like a bounty hunter as well as a racer. Um, so it'd be cool if he like, one of his bounties is Octoman. And he's yeah. looking to maybe we see and he his, there, uh, like right after the shootout. So maybe we don't see him, but maybe we see like the blue Falcon, like 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 outside the bar or something, or As like they're leaving. Know, very off, like very like very much off screen. We just see like yeah. a little glimpse of it. Yeah, like we don't we don't linger on that tease. It's like that's a tease that people only notice when they have the DVD and are looking through screen caps six months after come out in theaters f-zero just makes so much sense I, I yeah to have octoman at the at the shootout and, and it's and it's a character that that not everyone is going to recognize uh, yeah it's not like it's not like captain falcon is there all of a sudden it's it's octoman like they might just in a, in a universe where in a universe where everybody else is an anthropomorphic animal this anthropomorphic it just fits in you'd have to really be looking for it and you, or you'd have to be like a big fan i yeah. think it's the perfect easter egg yeah Sweet. Okay. Um, so if you guys want to follow along and see what the timeline looks like so far, it's, it's nothing. <laughs> you can go to our Twitter. Yeah. Our at is our at is at Mies and smash pod. And we have a website now and it is Mies and smash pod dot podient dot co. So check us out there with that. We'll, we will keep an updated image of our timeline there. And we'll also have that on Twitter. So follow us on Twitter, check out our website, and don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week with another installment in uh, the Smash Brothers Cinematic Universe. And uh, I hope you enjoyed Hamilton O'Toole's Star Fox. Yeah, thank you so much, Hamilton, for joining us. You were, you were a blast. It was a pleasure. We love you, buddy. Thank you so much for listening. None of this would be possible without the awesome remixes from some very talented musicians online. Here are their credits so you can check them out and listen to those without us talking over it. The Lo-Fi Melee Menu Remix comes from Sean081799. As per usual, Austin X Gaming provided our Break the Targets theme. From DS Magic, we have the Star Fox 64 main theme, jazz cover. The Star Wolf Remix Star King was done by Demons. DZ Composer gave us Mercenaries de Lobo remaster with piccolo trumpet sheets. The Krizoa Palace dubstep remix was done by Metal Fortress. The Corneria 80 synthwave remix is from Elizade. Haltgren Music did the Corneria Orchestral Electronic remix. DJ BassFox28 did the Star Fox Zero remix. Alpha Raft did Surprise Attack, a Star Wolf remix. Crosswind, a Star Fox OC remix, was done by B. Lays. The Star Fox Assault Heroes of Old Peppy's Sacrifice reorchestration is from Jaffet Meza. Ami Waters did that dark ambient cover of the map theme. Digital Entertainment Channel did the Star Fox 64 main menu music remix. And just because we had to do it in three, we have one more Star Fox main theme by Graham Plowman. And as always, the sound effects come from freesound.org, the Super Smash Brothers series, and the Star Fox series. Please visit our website at meesandsmashpod.podient.co, where you can see a full list of the music credits, as well as keep up to date with our timeline. And you can follow us on Twitter at meesandsmashpod, as well as our personal Twitters at Hayes and at Simon Lewis Song. Great. See you next time.